If you'd like to support the show, don't forget to rate us five stars, shop at our merch store, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Special thanks to our patrons, M. Trichkovsky and Tony Irons. To become a patron, go to patreon.com slash what's my thesis. How do you get past the cringe shit that you do? You just have to make enough. Like, did you did you go through that period where you were just like writing and you just push through, or did you always think your shit was gold? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you don't even have to answer. <laughs> I think you have to have confidence, but also to be just like unabashedly uh, you, right? So it's okay. just like it was an easy and accessible form of expression for me. You don't need anything to do it. It's just your thoughts. It's, Writing's just like you at your most honest self, if it's good. I feel like the cringe stuff is like when it feels like a little forced or it feels like it's trying to be something that it's not, maybe like, you know, referencing other people's work. But the best writing that I've heard, read, aloud, you know, um, everyone has like a different kind of style, but like if it's like honest, interesting, and a different perspective that I'm not used to, like I'm there, I'm there to listen, I'm there yeah. to read. Um, and I think like people should value their own voice. Like maybe you do have something to say. You just need to figure out the best way that you can like articulate that. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to read it out loud if you don't want to, but I think it's like, you know, a healthy process just for like working out your own thoughts, deciding how you feel about the world, writing it down. I like that. Mm-hmm. The deciding how you feel about the world. Welcome to What's My Thesis. I'm your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview and ask What's My Thesis. And today, we are at the awesome studio of artist Jackie Perez, who goes by La Conejita. So where are you from? So that everybody has a context. Uh, I grew up all over Southern California. So I was born in Cerritos. I lived there until I was about seven. I've just basically, I've lived in all the counties. I live in LA County, Orange County, Riverside County. Which is the, the um, poshest... There was a six-month period we lived in Dana Point. I don't know if you know where that is. That's Orange County, but it's like a really nice uh, beachfront community. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you like that? I mean, I was like maybe 11 or something at the time. That's like a perfect time to have like a fancy beach I mean, you're a middle school kid. It's not what you care about. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. I don't know. So you weren't like spending all the time on the beach? No, actually, but there was a really fun program that we did. It was middle school. And uh, there's a famous book that was written called uh, Before the Mast. And it was written by Dana Point is named after, I think, Richard Dana. He was a uh, seafarer explorer. So he wrote this book called uh, Before the Mast. And it's just about his like sea experiences. But the ship that he sailed on is uh, parked. It's harbored uh, in Dana Point, and we did like an overnight stay where we basically pretended we were in the late 1800s, and we had to like live on this boat for 24 hours. Wait, this was like when you were kids? This is, a, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is in middle school. <laughs> so there was something cool that happened while I was there. Yeah, that's also that also confused me because that sounds like something you might actually do now. Because I think yeah, that... <laughs> I, have, I have friends that live on boats, so I have hung out on boats. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> it, this, that doesn't seem like it's just a childhood thing for you. Yeah, no. uh, that was my just four way into it. Cool. Well, so. You're a fabricator, right? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into that? I and mean, we're obviously in your uh, like little workshop area. Yeah. I mean, it's not little. Yeah. <laughs> My home shop. Um, I will, I guess, explain what a fabricator is because sometimes people don't uh, know what the term 
analogy means. Um, it isn't someone that works with fabric. Sometimes I do. Uh, but it's basically a person that builds things. Uh, I happen to build things for other people, um, which is includes like a lot of artists. Um, also, because we're in L.A., I've worked on a lot of like, you know, film industry stuff, making like props and sets. Um, but basically, I like I like to think I can make people's dreams happen. If you show me a drawing, I'll try to figure out how to actually like make it, you know, materialize. Is there like a, pers- a, a specific prop that like is iconic that you've made that you're proud of? <laughs> or, Props? You know, like, did you make the, the, uh, anything that like really, that you saw in a movie and you're like, holy shit, that's uh, fucking awesome. There was a summer for about three months that I worked at uh, Disneyland okay. uh, and it was the opening or, you know, before they opened the new like Star Wars world. I didn't work on the Millennium Falcon, but that was there. But I worked on, I think it's from one of the newer movies and I hadn't seen the newer movies, so I didn't know what it okay. was, but it was on one of the, like the bad guy ships. I built one of those. You built one of the, uh, on, uh, on the newer, like... If you go uh, to Disneyland and you watch their, like, stage show when all okay. the characters come out, they come out of this spaceship, and I did a bunch of the body work on that spaceship. Nice. That's pretty cool. So have you have you watched the show yourself? I saw the movie eventually. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's that ship. <laughs> that's funny. I think it was Kylo Ren's ship. That's what it was. Kylo Ren's ship? Yeah. yeah. I have like, it's so funny how much my knowledge drops when you get into like anything that's not the first three. Mm. I feel like a Star Wars fandom has gotten so deep and like into different directions that like, I can't even really say that I'm a Star Wars guy anymore. Like when I was a kid, like you were like, people were kind of gatekeepers about Star Wars, okay. right? You know, like, and like, oh, you don't, you, you know, like people would quiz each other. Like it's, it may be a generational thing, but I think that now like, there's the prequels, and I have no idea. <laughs> I've watched them, but I have no idea. But, like, the kids fucking love that shit. They're, yeah. like, super obsessed with them because they grew up with those movies. Mm. And fair to them. But that's what I mean. I'm, like, a poser. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, like, I know a slither of, like, the, the, what the expanded lore is right yeah. now. I don't know. So, okay. So then you're making things for artists as well. So mm-hmm. how's that different? Does, does it, is it different at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because usually... Um... I mean, like, I build things like furniture for people. Um, it's really straightforward. They have an idea. Maybe they have, like, an image of something that they found, and they're like, can you basically replicate this? And with artists, it's different because it's like a, for lack of a better word, it's a, it's a feeling sometimes. I mean, every artist is different. Um, sometimes they, like, have more drawings. Sometimes it comes from people's dreams. So I, like, go off of, like, ideas, feelings. Um, I, they also usually have a body of work that I can reference and they're only really coming to me if they're making something that's like out of their comfort realm or like not really their medium, Mm -hmm. but they still have like a concept that they want to see executed. Um, and I have way more fun like working with artists and like, I don't know, just doing like the straightforward design kind of stuff. Is it more collaborative in that sense? Every artist is different. So like sometimes people are like hands on and they're like, I'm in their studio or they're in the shop with me. Or sometimes they're just giving me like, you know, an idea and an end date, like, you know, a deadline. And I just have to. And usually it's like, you know, they either have like a show coming up or um, freeze when freeze was in town. Like a lot of people were setting up their studio. So they wanted like work so they could, you know, showcase it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're like a high level welder because I know I have friends that would that say they wouldn't like sleep on a bed that they made that they welded. For. <laughs> I don't know if that I don't know if that's to that extreme, but you've like welded stuff that you drive, right? Yeah, I mean, actually, the bed I sleep on used to be the flatbed of my truck okay. that I used to drive. That now you I made. Sleep, yeah, now I sleep on it. But the flatbed you also made. Uh, or, the, flat, no. the flatbed. I mean, yes, I bought a nine hundred dollar Ford Ranger in Compton, like maybe like eight years ago. 
um, it failed immediately. Uh, so I had to remove this thing in the fuel tank, they call it fuel pump. And in order to get to the fuel pump, you have to basically take the back cab off of the truck, which is mm -hmm. like only like six bolts. I'm also pretty short. So, uh, putting stuff over a truck isn't very helpful for me. So I decided once I fixed the fuel pump that I was just going to make it a flatbed because then I could load everything pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I drove that for like maybe like five years until eventually the engine failed and then it was just parked in my alleyway at the other shop that I used to uh, work at. And when it was time for me to move shops, I had to figure out what I was going to do with the truck. So I just decided to cut the useful part off the back, <laughs> <laughs> made myself a bed. So, and like, did I see your car today? Is it here? That's my new car. That's your, okay. So, because yeah, this yeah. is the first time that it's... It's a bigger Ford. <laughs> it's a bigger Ford, but I think that this is the first time that I've seen something that's not just like a shop car that like, you know, like it's got... This used it's, to be a landscaping vehicle. <laughs> oh, but it still, it still looks pretty. It still oh, has thanks. its paint on, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I think some of the other stuff that you had was a little bit more of like a workhorse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I purposely messed them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So is that uh, is that like a sign that you're maturing and growing up? Like you want to have nice things, <laughs> that, nice tools? A, yeah, now I have a Ford F-150 instead of a Ranger. Can't fuck with that. Mm. Like that's like you've become part of a subculture now. Yeah, <laughs> without knowing it. I didn't even like, you know, think that I would become like a Ford person per se. It's just what I happen to have. And it's just what I'm familiar with at this point. Or do you get like people being like, hey. Not this one. Not this I one. I mean, my neighbor across the street's got like one of like the new F-150s, like four by fours, like super also has like the Blue Lives Matter sticker on the back. But, you know, <laughs> it's a different culture. I didn't find myself. I didn't know that I'd be a part of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think necessarily every every Ford person's a Blue Lives Matter, right? Not necessarily. But I'm you not. know what? You know, you make a good point though. A lot because uh, uh, they buy American. I mean, the Crown Vic is even though it's a cop car, it's kind of a badass car. Oh yeah, yeah. Those things can be fast. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the Blues Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So then, before we started recording, you we were. Um, I was asking you a little bit about how you got, because you're at the point where you're fabricating just like. It's actually hard to schedule you. Yeah. <laughs> not, in a, not in a negative, not in a throwing shade way. I just didn't realize, like, you know, like how 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 crazy it was. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time to yeah, do yeah. it. But I'm glad I got the day off. <laughs> I mean, and I technically give myself the day off. Uh, but, you know, yeah. It's like when I get work, it all comes at once. And then there's some times where, like, you know, I got like a week or two. But I usually, like, find ways to keep myself busy. You know? What do you do on those weeks off? Uh, make stuff for myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so then that's where your art, your own art practice comes in, yeah. or is it all? Are you only like making yourself bunk beds every week? Um, no, I mean, I recently because I just moved to this new place, it was a lot of like home improvement kind of stuff. But like, I think that's also how I got into fabrication. Like, I've just always liked like making stuff with my hands. So. Whatever. Is it, did this get handed down to you, like, in your generationally? This is something I, I don't I know. I thought about it. So my family, um, my background is, like, my mom's Mexican, so I grew up with my grandparents. Like, my grandfather, mm -hmm. like, he was, like, kind of, like, you know, I mean, that was his job. He was, like, a handyman. Um, my grandma was a seamstress, so I felt like I got maybe, I just learned from them that, like, you know, that's the that's what people do. They make things with their hands. But that's great. The, the, I mean, that's a great, I wish I had that like kind of <laughs> foresight. The only options for me were like graphic design in my parents' eyes, <laughs> you know, or they were like, yeah, just become a teacher. It's so easy. And then I was my like, my mom's a teacher. Yeah. Well, no, they, they wanted me to become like a, a college professor, an adjunct, which is like everybody. Hey, you got who, time, man. <laughs> oh no! I, the last thing I want to do is become a, a, a an adjunct. I mean, not no shade to that job. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, it's like, it's a whole 
another at least two years to begin with, mm-hmm. you know. And then now I'm competing with everybody that's like younger than me. Yeah. Um, My mom wanted me to be a fashion designer. I think you could probably do that. I bet I could do that. I think think, you got got the skills. (laughs) Okay, so then what do you do in your in your private like art practice? What do you get into? Like what what do you? Um, I mostly. I mean, I do work in metal a lot. It's like what I'm familiar with, and it's also what I collect. I collect a lot of things. I like. I'm an appreciator of objects. I find them. I usually like manipulate them, make them into something else. It also is like how I justify keeping them. So it's things that I make for myself. I don't necessarily showcase my art in like, you know, the traditional sense of like, I'm not looking for galleries to represent me. I'm just happy like me, but I work for galleries too. So it's this, I don't know, in my own personal practice, it's just like a private thing that like, you know, I enjoy. And then I'll showcase it, you know, if I get invited to be a part of a show, but it's not something that like. I've shown push. you, I mean, you. I, I didn't show you, but I, you've shown with me yeah. at, a, at a show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not against it at all. It's just, it's not something that I actively pursue. pursue. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's probably hard enough to keep up with finding, like, just work work, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it's part of, especially, like, before COVID, that was a large part of my job. I mean, I just love art, so I like going to openings. You know, my partner is a painter, so I like being around it. I like knowing why people are making what they're making. So going to openings and, like, talking to people, like, I was always into that. But it always also snowballed into, like, that's how I got work. It's like, people would ask me what I do. And I was just like, oh, well, I happen to do things that, like, might be useful to you. And so, oh, mm-hmm. I never thought of that. Like, mm-hmm. that's a completely different context to exist in that space. Yeah. Cause I mean, but it's somewhat, well, somewhat similar because I'm there to like book guests mostly, or yeah. it's always in the back <laughs> of my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you're there to meet interesting people and ask them about their practice. So, you know, I've gotten on like a lot of studio visits or just like met people and I was just genuinely curious about their practice. And then it either led to like, you know, either me being invited to be a part of a show that they were like involved in or just meeting people that, you know, needed my. Uh, assistance in some way yeah no but i but i also like now i like the idea the the image of you just being like a ambulance chaser (laughs) 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 just like just like two overhearing two people and just rising like the crypt keeper and just being like oh you need a fabricator (laughs) (laughs) it's actually really funny too because sometimes people like look at me and they're just like you like you can do this and it's just like oh yeah dude i've done a ton oh dude i i (laughs) i have no doubt it like i am like you are probably the the best like the only person that i trust that that knows what they're doing at their job full-time everything i mean i have other artist friends that can do like some level of uh, fabrication but i would not drive their car (laughs) (laughs) i mean my car has been in various stages i mean yes this is the nicer one but you know all works in progress and all experiments in their own right (laughs) (laughs) i think that you asked me earlier um how i kind of ended up you know in this field i'm like it's fascinating because it 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 really is like i mean you're obviously one of the more successful people that i know in in well, no, in in, in in the in terms of like like if you lived in Burundi and and it you know in a country where there was like a happiness index, I think that's Burundi. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, like where like because you still you still have your hustle, but I I've, you're always just relaxed and chill. Like I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never you never seem stressed out by work. Oh, I definitely have been, but I've learned like especially like yeah, this last project I did was like a huge fence for like a friend of mine, and and that was actually kind of different because she let me do what I wanted with the fence, right? Like sometimes people have specific ideas. It's got to be clean. It's got to be slick, and like I can do that, but. And I enjoy it to like a certain extent, but like if you let me like, you know, have free reign, like I'm just going to be more involved in it. And um, mm-hmm. 
it was a different kind of stress because like I've been doing this for so long that like I don't stress myself out because it doesn't help the project. It doesn't make things go faster. If anything, like things just like, you know, start to pile up and you just get overwhelmed. No. That This project was a little different because it was personal. I wanted her. She's a friend of mine. Like I wanted her to like it. But I also wanted to like, you know, have some integrity of like my vision and like wanting to translate that. And, and that did, is, I just to be clear, because I don't know if we explained it on the recording because we talked okay. about the project. You basically made a gate for somebody. And it yes. was it, it was a large gate. And what I, I appreciated, I asked you how many people could carry it. <laughs> <laughs> and you made the distinction that you did not count as the measure of a human in this <laughs> within the There's carrying capacity. There's a lot of capacity. things I could do, but, you know, heavy lifting, it's like not my forte. Because <laughs> you're like two normal humans you were yeah, like? Yeah, so two, two regular sized people could carry it. But in this case, it was like I needed two other people to help me like you know, one per other person on my end and one person on the other side. But it was, it's, you have like this knowledge base of just like how to even install what you made a trench. You, you did a nice post. It was like, we trench in, we're doing this, we're doing this. Oh, yeah. My process. Yeah. And it, but, but they, they, it was, I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. It must have been hot as fuck too. Cause you're out oh, in the desert. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> He's out in the desert. The fence itself was, was 12 feet long, six feet high. And like, but a lot of those things, like I have some experience, sort of, like actually most of my cement experience, because we had to make so much cement, was actually working for an artist. And that's like one of the things that I had to do a lot. So the practical application of it, like dumping it into the ground, leveling it, I kind of knew, but I watched a lot of YouTube videos. Yeah. And I watched a lot of videos of people like in the Philippines and their flip flops doing it. And I was just like, if I bet I, they can do it, I could figure it out too. Um, but yeah, man, that was, that was like, it just ended, so I'm, like, still coming down from that. Like, because it was so much buildup, so much stress, so much physical, like, you know. Yeah, that seems like it's... Angst and labor. <laughs> and now that it's done, like, she's happy, I'm happy. The trench was dug. It's level. We're good. <laughs> Do you feel like you get more burnt out physically than mentally? No, I mean, because, but then like, yeah, it's like something that I've learned to do. Like I'll, I don't beat myself up mentally. No, no, I don't like mean, I don't mean in terms of stress. I mean, in terms of like in the process of a day, like the, the idea of like, like, for example, the thing that's most exhausting for me about all of this is to sit down and edit it. Right. Oh yeah. And that, okay, okay. that's not physical labor. I yeah, don't yeah. come home, but it, it but at that, there comes a point where I hit, hit critical mass and my brain cannot fucking yeah edit anymore which one do you find yourself getting tired like tired from doing manual labor or or just like being burnt out from the creative process oh interesting question thank I, you i think yeah <laughs> very, <laughs> I'm thoughtful, proud of very thoughtful very um i think i i get so involved in my projects that like maybe maybe i should pay more attention to my body when it is tired right i've also gotten better at this i've been doing this for a while like i know when like staying up for hours isn't going to help me actually like finish something like correctly or like it's not going to do any service to the project. So I've been better at like, you know, giving myself decent hours and like, you know, I know what's better for me in the process of building something so I don't burn out physically. Mm -hmm. Mentally, like honestly, like it's uh, the financial part because I get stressed out about that because it's like money and like who doesn't get stressed about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then just like I try to be I try to maintain good contacts with my it seems weird to call because some of them are my friends. But like, you know, with clients, like just being present, answering them like in a timely manner, giving them like straight up when they ask me a question, like an accurate, timely answer. Um, I probably get more burnout or stressed from that. Um, that I'd probably that makes do sense. So part. there's there's essentially kind of not a time off for you from answering. Like, 
I mean, I, in, in, you could conceivably take a week off, but if someone reaches out to you and you're not reliable or you can't answer them right away, they yeah. might not text you again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's I'm not, like, the, yeah. I'm the manager, I'm the CEO. Like, I'm like, I fucking, I wish, oh, excuse me. I wish I had you a can, person. Okay. Have you ever talked to me? <laughs> I wish I had like a general manager or someone that like fielded those kind of questions for me. But I don't know. Like I have a tiny shop. This is my shop. You know, it's just me. Yeah. Um, I've been able to like, you know, hire my friends here and there when the projects get really big. But for the most part, like it's just me, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you used to have a pretty interesting living situation where you it was like communal, like shop. Yeah. I think actually, well, now I live with just two people. But mm. prior to this... In my whole adult life, since graduating high school, moving out, I think I've only lived in community houses. So that meant that I lived with at least like a minimum five people and at most. 12. When we're saying community houses, we want to be clear that that's it's not like you were in foster care. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I was of age and I decided that I wanted to live with a giant group of people because A, it made rent cheap and then B, most of them were my friends. Um, I enjoyed the camaraderie and then just having like, you know, other people around to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. Because um, some of them are like, you know, artists in their own right. Um, but yeah, now I live with just two people. And that, well, <laughs> but I, but I think culturally that's an interesting thing as, an, as somebody who has lived like not like that. Mm-hmm. When I came here, like I came to uh, uh, your partner's birthday party mm-hmm. here that you hosted, but there were all these people that you knew through like whatever but i'm i'm imagining some of the people were from the communal oh yeah yeah yeah. and i've known him for years i mean yeah from like living with them or if i didn't live with them i mean i've also belonged belong you belong to community houses you pay rent but you also participate in like you know keeping the thing together yeah um so that was also yeah it was alex's birthday and it was also uh my friends who play music they rolled through town so it was a backyard show show. yeah it was a great show um and i've known those guys you know forever and we've lived together at like various points in our lives but you know um, you still maintain those relationships. I don't live in a community house anymore, but we still like, you know, have them all over. But not everybody has like friends like that. You you get what yeah. I'm saying? Like that's like. The... It's, it's odd because I'm just so ingrained in it or like enmeshed in it that like, yeah, I realize from taking a step back, you saying that makes me realize it. But I also grew up like I grew up at my grandparents' house and like that was like everyone lived there. So I'm kind yeah. of like used to having like a lot of people around. But OK, I don't know if this is like weird to say this, but here's how close you guys are with this is like i came to the party and i was like oh hey i didn't want to take you get your attention away from your friends and stuff but like it was so clear that i was the one you didn't see that much (laughs) 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 that you guys paid so much attention to me and i just like i told you guys that night i was like oh my god i feel so attended to (laughs) i was like i feel so like i feel like you guys are happy that i'm here yeah but that i but i think that the the underlying the subtext of that is that like you your community, like you are so involved in them, you know, that like, it's my extended family. Yeah, exactly. And that was definitely the vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So then why you said metal is your favorite, um, material. And I like that you've worked with concrete. I'm curious why you haven't worked with concrete, but I also know why, because it's a fucking pain in the ass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like sculpt something and now you got a fucking monument. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like, uh, that's also how I kind of got into, I guess, yeah, to hark back on that question. I got involved in this kind of work because like, I'm just, I'm curious and I'm interested in how things go together. Right. And like, whatever is the process that'll better execute the idea, like I'll learn how to do it. So I kind of, for lack of like, you know, 
a better trope, but like a jack of all trades. Like I've learned how to do a lot of things. I'm not necessarily the best at them. I've just had the most experience with metal. Mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason, I think it's also like a handy like life skill to have, and like I Hell get asked yeah. to do, yeah, yeah, I get asked to do it a lot, and I enjoy it. So, um, do you ever get into like I've noticed that you have a quarter pipe? Oh yeah, but <laughs> but, but is wood something that comes up for you a lot? Oh yeah, I, right. I mean, okay. it's it's versatile, right? Like wood, metal, um, like when you're making furniture and stuff. Mm, well, yeah, or whatever it calls for, whatever the project calls for, uh, you learn how to adapt and like. But then, do you, do you design furniture when when those clients that are not artists come in? Because not let, now, let's go to the more yeah. like job, like the less creative input side of things, where like someone's like coming to you to commission a piece of uh, furniture. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that process. I'm trying to I'm trying to see how how often you have to wear a suit and tie. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> no, I but mean, you, I would. It, like metaphorically. I do have a nice suit. <laughs> Um, oh, I bet you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, and you and uh, and and Alex have a very good sense of like, just like, hey, we're still young, man. <laughs> we still look sharp. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that I don't. Can't remember the last time I've seen you without a different hair color. Keeps me young, man. I mean, um. <laughs> <laughs> it's also just like I don't know. It's another extension, like malleability. I love coloring my hair because it's just like another thing i can play with no it and, always looks cool yeah, i'm just yeah. I, I i'm just i mean as someone who can't color their hair <laughs> you got the white in the beard though you could. i am but that only makes me look distinguished it doesn't like make me look useful <gasps> oh hey that's my friend robert yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it, it um i've been to people's houses now that we see your friend robert mm. i've been to people's houses like that where there was like a backyard show and stuff and it was like a very warm environment not that people are always aloof, but like, um, it's like the opposite of what you think of Los Angeles when you think of like how people think of Los Angeles. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would like, I mean, I technically grew up in and around Los Angeles. I don't think if I didn't, how would I turn that? I wouldn't like LA if I didn't know the side of it that I know. Um, yeah. it can be really cold. Everything's really far, not like, you know, climately cold, but I think people have their own little bubbles and they operate within those bubbles. But if I didn't know the community that I did, I wouldn't feel like I could like operate like in multiple spheres, different parts of town, different interest groups kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like over here, my experience has been that it's like a, uh, less than, I mean, cause in Miami, everybody is very, it's like abrasive, not cold. So maybe it is cold, but at least people are friendly over mm -hmm. here. But then it takes you a while to find. Like I've I've talked to newcomers to LA, and I'm like, okay, look, you're gonna meet a bunch of people. You're gonna think you're friends, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're gonna realize that you're like you're just friends because you're new in town, and you know, like yeah, you're trying to find your crew. It's not cold. It's a it's like a little aloof. Like people are very surface level until you can like break. But I think that's just people in general. Um, but I think I've been it's also like, the you know, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's also like the geographic. It's like the way the city's laid out. Yeah. It's just like that's what it breeds. I've been to other places where it's just like the reception is much warmer, but it's like you know a much smaller like layout. People, although the weather, people like you know spend winters together. We don't have winter here, so yeah. Yeah, yeah and then I, I hear that. I mean, I've enjoyed Chicago, but I hear that the Midwest is also very passive aggressive, yeah. which, <laughs> which is nice that, that you don't deal with that mm -hmm. here <laughs> as much. I mean, you deal with it everywhere, but it's not a cultural trope. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Okay. So then you say that you don't necessarily have like an express, like um, a thing that you pursue in gallery, but you, you, and I think that that's awesome. Like I, I'm not, I don't think that you need to be an artist that pursues that. Right. Like to be, to be defined no. as an artist. And I think yeah, that yeah. that, I think that that's what I really enjoy. I feel like you have a specific kind of freedom that, it's like art, and it, I think it also comes because I work so closely with artists that like, you know, do like, that's another job. I prefer like, I have a regular job. I enjoy it, but like, I like to kind of like keep my practice. It's it's less work for me if it's just for me, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't have to be out there making connections and schmoozing, which is like, you know, another aspect of being like a working artist. Um, you don't think that you're, well, now, now, I mean, we were trying to pivot into poetry, uh. but now I have a question. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you don't think that your connections would also help you at, at like get? I'm sure they would. And like, maybe if I had like an idea for a show, um, like, but I would also have to take the time. And that's like also like the kind of balance. Like I would have to take the time to spend more time on my work to like curate like a full show, um, which isn't something I'm opposed to, but it's also like. I'm working, man. Like, yeah. no, <laughs> like no, I'm yeah, busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. I think I'm slowly amassing a body of work, but it's like when I have the time, I finish my pieces. I have ideas for pieces, but I gotta make time for them, you know. Um, but yeah, like I'll have a, you know, I'll have a solo show sometime. You have a solo show, <laughs> but you, I mean, you do still. You you are like, in fact, for some, <laughs> it's almost like you're you're kind of, in my own mind, you're making me realize how much i get distracted from my own practice right like it seems like because you have this like healthy balance and then mine is kind of tied into the content creation which is like a fuck its own uh, sisyphus rock to push yeah, yeah, yeah. uh i mean no, i'm not a fucking martyr i do it because <laughs> i like it <laughs> but it takes time and um but yeah, the 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 fact that you've like, I mean, that I think that that maybe someone listening to this will get something out of hearing that, where of like just the pride, like it's almost like you've set a boundary around that space, and that's like, look, man, I just want to do this, yeah, you know, and and I do this because it's for me, and it's like I, I can rarely, not rarely, I try to be better, but it's just like because I I do represent myself, I am my own boss technically, like I got to be on top of that, that I like carving out the time. For me to work on my own work without any of that stress around it yeah it's just like, and it also might complicate your business if you're also like hey can i do a show you get uh, what I, it, it might yeah. like i mean not not i mean obviously there's a way to do it oh there is there's actually one of the guys that i look up to there's a you know the fabrication world uh it's varied it could be pretty bro -y, uh at times but the people that i really look up to and appreciate one of them is this guy named norm Blach. And he's also a fabricator. He's mostly, I think, you know, based in like sign painting, but he built a lot of installations and made a lot of work for like people like John Baldessari, Mike Kelly. But he he does his own work, but it's like a private practice. I've seen some of his shows. Well, he's only had like, he had one like culminative show at the ICA in the last few years. And then he had like the small gallery show at a painting gallery that's like uh, here in Highland Park. What's ICA? What does it stand for? Uh, you know? It's okay if you don't. Oh fuck! No. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna stop asking that question because I know I now I realize that that's maybe something bad. contemporary art. Yeah, mm, I don't know. Um, International. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then you also have a. Um, I mean, you do. Do you not read your poetry a lot? I have. I, I used you, to go you, to like a writing group, so it was like you know like a monthly thing. But yeah. I think that I went to a poetry reading where you were reading stuff, but you were you kind of said that you don't usually read stuff. Is that like a thing or is that a, when do the you, opportunity do, presents itself 
I will and I do. Just because okay. I have it, you know, I've worked on it. I wrote it down. I might as well read it out loud, right? Cool. So. No, no, no. I, I, I'm trying to understand. Like, because, I mean, I don't know what your practice is entirely, <laughs> right? In, in terms of poetry. Yeah, yeah. And what my perception, maybe it just had been a while or something. Or maybe I'm confusing you with someone else that, that said that. No, I'm pretty comfortable with it. But it's just like, it's also, that's another... It's slightly performative, right? But it's like another vein of like, you know, I, I, yeah, the art world, but also like, you know, people that are interested in listening to poetry, right? Like that's a pretty niche group. So like yeah. I would go to a writing group because those are people that were A, receptive to listening and were B, working on things too. So you would be, get like feedback uh, from other people that also like, you know, share the practice. And it's like one of those things that I do that like isn't physically intensive that I just enjoy doing maybe because of that, but it's also, you know, equally as expressive. It's an interesting medium. I, I mean, I'm talking it, about it like as an absolute not... Um, practitioner? Yeah, not <laughs> practitioner and, and not even necessarily a, 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 an elegant consumer of it. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. It's easily accessible, but it's very difficult to do successfully. Oh, yeah. You know, because the... It's almost like the level of editing that needs to take place for you to be successful to to condense something down to that essence, right? Like because it's not like you're not writing an essay, but you're trying to make a point. Yeah, concisely, while people are still interested in hearing it, right? Um, but I don't know, and then everybody's like, you know, writing styles different. I'm sure people's like practices are different. It's another thing that I just do for myself, but like. When I was going to the reading and like writing groups, it was just nice to be in a community of people that like also and everybody did it differently. But, you know, we all like, you know, at least had like the the gall to get up there and like say it out loud. Right. Whatever we'd been like no, writing no, no. away in our little studios. <laughs> it's a it's it's a really intimate space. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're like someone's becoming very vulnerable. They're not. Their only skill is their their uh, talking. Right. Like and how they think about things. Well, so so okay then. How do you uh, tell tell me a little bit about the different approaches? Like how, I know. I mean, I remember just to lead off the conversation. I remember that there was uh, one person that was. That's like literally the only uh, poetry reading I've been to <laughs> in the last decade. I think. Uh, so so I I am trying to ask informed questions with yeah. very little information. But okay, so there was one woman there who was talking about uh, who was who like had a flow. And had like almost a rap flow, but like a very '90s rap flow, and talked about how she didn't listen to current contemporary rap. Oh yeah, you, you know, know, Lena. Lena, Lena okay. Lena and then, so, well, there you go. The styles matter. It's almost <laughs> like graffiti styles. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so she, so I would say that that's like uh, very much influenced from a hip hop yeah. realm of a very specific time. Uh, like, uh, can you expect? Like, I I know that Alex. Your partner is maybe more of a. Uh, <laughs> you laughed when I asked if he he ever read anything that wasn't a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny, right? Because he's like such like a a jovial personality. No, he's like the yeah. yeah, yeah. But like these are and those are like that's why I love writing though because it's just like you're hearing someone's mind and mm-hmm. like you know this is like onto the page something that they decided like was important enough to like share with people. Um, but there are those dark recesses of his mind and that's what he thinks about sometimes. And it's just so like refreshing sometimes to like hear it, right? Or to read it. Um, I think if you're asking me like my process is more, 
Uh, well, I also, it, 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 we don't have to go into your process just mm-hmm. yet if that's too overwhelming a question. If you're ready to answer, that's fine. I just meant like, okay, so we've got we've got two there. We've got the the more like rap essence, yeah. you know, influenced. Whereas like the Charles Bukowski school, yeah, yeah. you know, like what other schools have you seen in in it, within the community of poetry reading and whatnot? Um, that's also a good question. Uh, I mean. I'm so proud of myself. Today. Yeah. <laughs> I also feel like some people's writing style, it's like an extension of like, you know, if you talk to somebody, like how the cadence of their voice, right? But yeah, also yeah. how they kind of put things together in their head. Some people are more detail oriented and that like might come through the writing. Um, I don't. Yeah, I would say that like people's writing style is just also like a reflection of like kind of like who they are, how they communicate. How would you go about describing your your approach to it? Like, how do you approach it? I think I started doing, I read a lot of books as a kid, like I still read a lot of books. And I think I uh, borrow and I'm influenced by a lot of the things that I read. Um, okay. But my process uh, as a way of not getting in my own way is kind of like the more stream of consciousness style. I also talk to myself a lot and out loud and in my head. And I have a habit of like, I got lots of notebooks and I write everything down. And so I'll pick and choose, I'll review them, I'll go through them and I'll pick and choose things. Like there's some things that I consider, I guess, thematic. I'll put them all together and maybe like that's like a short poem. Um, yeah, but mostly I just pay attention to my own thoughts and <laughs> things that I think are interesting that I can like put together in a larger body of work. I'll pick out and I'll work on and rework. And uh, I don't have a computer at the moment, but when I did, I used to lay out books a lot. Um, so I would just print my own, you know, I wouldn't call them zines, but they, yeah, they were like short books. They're like, like super fancy zines. They're almost like promo shots, or, or, or like. You, I mean, I was trained in that. I went to school for. I actually went to school for industrial design. But one of the things that we learned how to do was like you know the Adobe suites, and like I loved InDesign. I loved yeah. being able to like put everything you know in a clean like kind of format, print it, cut the edges, like have a nice little product at the end <laughs> so do you think that you think th- th- does does that influence the way that you think is it sort of visual it, it while you're oh yeah i mean with the poetry books or the yeah the books that i have made it's written word but it's a lot of collages drawings things like that so um they're all related to each other like the drawings the collages like are influenced by like what the writing is like specifically like in that one book mm. um that but you've made other ones right or it sounded like you made other ones i made a few yeah yeah I've only seen one though. Yeah, and it's that's, very the, cool. that's the nicest one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. yeah well, I got the... a really nice printer. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's the gear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was able to like take because I also make things like you know I got loose leaves everywhere. Like I got like a bunch of notebooks. I got a bunch of pages that I was able to finally. And it wasn't since I've been in school, right, where I had facilities access, where I like had a nice printer. I could sit for hours at a computer. They had all the programs, and so I would just like have a collection like boxes of papers that. Oh, that i was able to like you know scan them transcribe them lay them out and just do it for myself since the first time since i've been in school that i've been able to do that that is so crazy and that what you just said there reminds me and maybe that speaks to sort of the the intimacy with the self of poetry where you all you need is like your thoughts essentially Mm -hmm. and maybe something to make marks with yeah and i had it all like literally like kind of paper clips together or bound sometimes I like sew the binding but it was one copy right it's the one off that's all it is and it wasn't until I had the means of production right that I could like scan it make multiple copies change the layout 
find it a little bit differently. So it went from this one precious object into like, you know, an anthology, right? Of like a few different kinds of books. How long was the gap between when you had access to facilities and when you could actually like fulfill your dream of doing this shit again? It was a long time. Like Like, decades? Yeah. I mean, I would do like maybe like lower, lower brow versions with like whatever I had available. Um, But it was probably three years ago is when I got that printer. And I haven't been in school since like, when did I graduate? 2013? Well, I just, I've realized that I have all this equipment from when I first graduated college that is like completely obsolete. Like I have a Wacom tablet that's like, (laughs) they haven't updated in, in forever. But yeah, man, that there is something crazy about like going in and training with this thing and then just like, all right, now you're like, you you know, you spent all this money on getting this education and now you're out in the world and you don't ha- no longer have access to, like oh, you said, facilities. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like you've got all this training and all this shit and like, like. And my uh, digital background, because like I, I did go to school for industrial design, so I had like, a, but also like it's been a long time since I had like access to like tools that were that nice, you know. Mm-hmm. I had to slowly build my own arsenal like over time. Um, but you learned on like the top of the line equipment. Right? Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I learned digitally, right, like they had us learning all the Adobe suites was also um, I learned 3D modeling, which is like another thing that theoretically in my line of work I could do more of. It's a lot easier on your body like that's for sure yeah. it also helps like you know with the quickness like lay things out but i'm so reliant on um i did take a class in drafting so like old school drafting with the rulers you know like architect scale but i really enjoy that it takes a lot longer but i also feel like it's like pen to paper kind of like writing like i have a better way of working it out you know mentally for my hand you know to even like delivering it to like a client, right? Of like yeah. what I'm presenting them. I could do it 3D rendering, but I don't have the money for that program necessarily. Not the program that I learned how to, I use SolidWorks. Like that's like several hundred dollars, like just for the license to use it. That I don't do that or I don't have access yeah. to that. Right, good. But it's not worth it to me to buy if I just got a pen and a paper. I, but it's interesting the way that you described the two different ones mm-hmm. where, where it's like, there's almost like, the way that you describe why you enjoy it, even though it takes longer, is that it's almost like you're saying that you're the computer in that process, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're the one, like, it's going through, you understand what's happening, yeah. right? And so, as instead of, like, using a calculator, you've done, it is, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a digital calculator. And it literally will, like, pull things out, you know, in a space. Of three. It's three-dimensional modeling. It's, like, it is really powerful. I, like, enjoyed it while I was learning it for what it could do, but it was also frustrating because, like, I don't know. My brain just works a little bit differently. Like I'm used to being like, you know, able to like scrap the idea or draw it in a different perspective without having to like input a bunch of formulas in order to like make the computer reiterate what I'm trying to do. Um, So I'm just like, yeah, I'm a little more old school that way. (laughs) It's funny hearing people younger than me say more old school. (laughs) But I learned it from like, because we had our our digital teacher, right, that was teaching us 3D modeling, and then we had a drawing teacher, and he was an old guy. And mm-hmm. he's like, this is how we used to do it back in the day. And he had all the Copic <laughs> markers, and you could do perspective, like, fucking, like, in, like, 20 minutes, give you, like, a whole rendering. And the same thing that would take, like, probably the same amount of time, but you get a digital version of it, right, through SolidWorks. And, like, I don't know. I appreciate the the, the hand process. Anything no, I totally, there. yeah. Have you seen, ever, I mean, not related, but have you ever seen any of those people that do the, the like, freehand like just ink drawings that, that, that like where it's like just weird it's almost like calligraphy but it's mm-hmm. not crazy unfortunately like they and the only way that i know about it is through like budweiser commercials <laughs> 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 so it's like this amazing art form yeah, it's yeah. like he's like hey guys check me out 
Thanks, Budweiser. <laughs> hey, I mean, Budweiser technically got, you know, gave money to an artist. Just no, no, no. I'm not hating on him or the, <laughs> uh, I'm just saying that it's, it's unfortunately that that, that's it's your, unfortunately yeah, yeah. that, it's unfortunately, it's unfortunate that that's how it has to be, fe- that that's the only context within our world where that gentleman will get exposure. You get what I'm uh, saying? Yeah, like, yeah. where like a brand has to be like, oh, hey, that shit's cool. Isn't this cool, guys? <laughs> As opposed <laughs> to just like everybody, I'm like, yo, that shit is cool. Yeah. You know? I mean, maybe maybe nowadays, but okay. So then, what do I maybe not know about poetry that you want people to understand? That like you know, because like it is, I think it falls under the trap of most poetry that people have encountered is like their girlfriends or when they were in high school <laughs> or their own their own shit I was that made them say, cringe. There's like probably some like equal aspects of like high snobbery but also like real like melodrama right where people yeah. are like oh poetry but i'm just like it's it's honest and it's interesting right like and it can be really raw that like if um it's also kind of the way that i see when people ask me or i don't know like I, uh, the kind of work that i do where people are either like interested or like astounded that anyone could do so i, I grew up watching my grandparents you know work with their hands right that i was just like it seemed like an accessible thing as yeah. long as you like learned, took the time to, anyone could do it. And I kind of feel like writing is a therapeutic thing, like just for yourself. If you want to share it with people, like that's great. But it is one of those things that I think is like, yeah, it's accessible and it's something that people should just try if they're interested. Like everyone has the ability, just have yeah. to have like the focus, you know, or the want to execute it. Then how would you help people that feel like they're for, I mean, <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> How do you get past the cringe shit that you do? You just have to make enough. Like, did you did you go through that period where you're just like writing and you just push through, or did you always think your shit was gold? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you don't even have to answer. <laughs> I think you have to have confidence, but also to be just like unabashedly uh, you, right? So it's okay. just like um, it was an easy and accessible form of expression for me. You don't need anything to do it. It's just your thoughts. It's a pen and paper, you know, compared to the other stuff I do, you need like a full shop and God knows how much money to invest in it. This is like, writing's just like you at your most honest self, if it's good. I feel like the cringe stuff is like when it feels like a little forced or it feels like it's trying to be something that it's not, maybe like, you know, referencing other people's work. But the best writing that I've heard, read, allowed you know um yeah like my friend lena that you were talking about like everyone has like a different kind of style but like if it's like honest interesting and a different perspective that i'm not used to like i'm there i'm there to listen i'm there yeah. to read um and i think like people should value their own voice like maybe you do have something to say you just need to figure out the best way that you can like articulate that mm-hmm. um, you don't have to read it out loud if you don't want to but i think it's like you know a healthy process just for like working out your own thoughts deciding how you feel about the world Writing it down. I like that. The mm. deciding how you feel about the world. Mm. That's an interesting thing because everybody, especially right now, everybody's so certain about this is how it is. Well, <laughs> and that's where the dialogue. Everyone has like, you know, like a fucking like online platform where they can just say whatever they want to say, be held accountable for like a second, however long it's frozen in that like, you know, internet time, give everybody the ability to comment on it. But, you know, like writing's like a lot more personal. Like, you know, you can take time with it. Think, be more thoughtful about it. 
I think that's definitely true. There is something that is difficult to sort of acknowledge, which is that you don't necessarily know how you feel about something until you actually like sit down and analyze the thing, which I think speaks to what you were talking about. Like you, uh, what, what, what triggered this was that you said that like it to even know how you're, um, how you feel about something, which I find very valid because, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've, if you're familiar with, uh, uh, artist way. Okay, so it's a self-help book. It was helpful for me after, like, after I lost access to all my um, facilities. Okay, and I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck am I gonna do?" And then I had to take uh, a very specific, like, I had ideas that were like huge investments of money that, like, I could. I was like, I mean, at the time, they're not yeah, yeah. like compared to what I've invested in this yeah, is yeah. nothing, but. Um, yeah, like the idea of not really fucking knowing what you think about something. Like sometimes, you know, this is a treacherous ground, so I'm going to be careful in how I say this. But sometimes you have a thought that you have to like kind of check, right? Like you're like, wait, I didn't know I felt like this about those. Or do I feel like this if about... If you're thoughtful enough to even like pay attention to the thought and take a step back. Okay, so I'm not crazy. No, no, no. <laughs> and I think like writing, if anything, whether you share it with people or not, or if it's like private thing that you do, it's just, it's being alone with your thoughts and being able to work through them. You could like wax philosophically about it in your head, but I feel like a way of like committing it from pen to paper or if you type, whatever it is, it's like a commitment of the idea in like the real world that you can refer back to. Um, and it's just your own voice. And like, I, I feel it's a conversation you have with yourself yourself until you feel the need to share it. Right. So then maybe the solution to the cringe part is the, um, is editing, right? Like it's like any creative process. Yeah, I think it's getting to know yourself too, which is like kind of like a freeing thing. Maybe that's the maybe thing. you are a little cringy, but maybe it wouldn't be if you spent more time thinking deeper about it. And then, you know, like working through the idea, working through the uncomfortable thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I also like, yeah, like I'm in my head a lot. Like it's just a way that I can like work through things um, and then be better able to reiterate it to people. You know, it's like a soundboard. No, that's, that's, that's great. Yeah. Cause I've been sort of trying to get a little bit more focused in that. I, uh, I'd like <laughs> my, uh, my iPhone uh, screen time hours are insane. <laughs> it's like I have a full-time iPhone job. <laughs> So, no, but that is, is interesting because I am like trying to get back into journaling and into all of that because there is something to that. There is something to sort of having that dialogue with yourself in a way that's like tangible instead of just like it being a cycle or a loop that just kind of keeps going and you're just like, oh, I'm stressed out about this and I'm stressed out. Whereas like oh, once yeah. you make it manifest yeah, yeah. to some degree, but then I think that that speaks to what you were saying, what, like when you say that something is raw, you know, like, like, uh, or when you say that poetry is raw, because like that... Raw is such a word that doesn't necessarily like translate unless we get into what we're meaning. And I think that's what you mean by that. Like mm -hmm. there's like you're hitting a nerve and maybe that's why that hurt. Like everybody has some level of a of a relationship to poetry, right? Like everybody has done it at some point to some degree. Yeah, yeah. But if you like can, you know, divorce it from your like middle school experience of like having to like write like, exactly. you know, something and share it with the class. Like it could be a very personal process, personal uh I don't want to use the word journey because that's also kind of kind of cringy, but it is like it it's is, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like being unafraid. I mean, I guess that's, I don't even keep a diary, but I feel like that's kind of what all my 
notebooks are. They're just like a collection of like some of them are things that I write down or whatever, draw, make up for jobs, but it's sprinkled in between it or just thoughts that I have throughout the day. And it helps me less anxiety being able to write something down, whether it's something that I have to remember, something that I heard that I thought was humorous, something that I want to remember later. But they're like, those kind of are my living diaries, are all my notebooks. And then that's also what I work from when I decide, like, I want to actually, like, take something from this, like, make it, like, not just, like, you know, snippets of something, but, like, a thought-out idea. Mm, That's interesting. Because my, I never go back and revisit my journals because, like, it's just, it's almost like a, but I'm a different person and I have different different issues. No, no, I mean, like, I'm saying, like, for me, like, with OCD, it really helps me break the cycle of, like, in uh, like just repetitive thoughts mm-hmm. and repetitive anxious thoughts so for me it's like verbal diary and, and and i mean i'm sure i could refine it and do poetry i think you could call uh, one of the styles of writing verbal diarrhea and i think it is also like equally as effective if it's like you know something that <laughs> yeah is raw if it's like if there's like fucking snippets of truth in that verbal diarrhea you're gonna be like wow like all this yeah. together like yeah i'm sure i mean i uh, like I guess for me, it's like more of a meditative practice and it is journaling as opposed to writing poetry. Mm. I'm just saying that like having that practice helps me understand the bridge to sort of that like, it's like a level, like I'm actually still uncomfortable with the idea of that level of intimacy of just like. Oh, for sure. You know, like it's really fucking intimate because it's like, it's not just, it's not like, hey, I'm making my thoughts and then I'm taking my thought or I'm taking my thoughts and then I'm making a thing and then that thing represents those thoughts. And so it's like removed from me, you know, whereas like words, you know, like you still wrote them. <laughs> and there's like a catharsis in it. Yeah. No, I, I, it is it, like, I think that it is one of those things that's accessible, but also elusive, which is why I, I like, I like talking to you about this and sort of trying to understand. It's almost like my, what my hangups are <laughs> about writing poetry. Cause I like reading it. I mean, I don't, you know, um, what do you think about, there was like a while back or there, I, I, I don't know, the movement of poetry where it's just, um, it's like, it's going into the space, into the conceptual space where there are, uh, people will take like appropriate an article and assign it as poetry or if you, are you at all, have you, are, have you yeah. heard of this? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, which to a certain extent, like I kind of do in my work, some of the things that I write down are like headlines or things that I'm thinking about, things related to stories and whatever. It's I I started this pro- uh, practice a few years ago of in a way of trying to be unafraid of my own thoughts, uh, like especially when I'm working, doing manual stuff. If it's like repetitive, there's a lot of time for your brain to just keep going. So I would like, you know, stop myself sometimes when Can I was I like... Can I pause you and just be like, yeah. uh, not being afraid of your own thoughts was like... Yeah, okay. anyway, yeah, 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 hit, yeah. The But then like Go what ahead. you were saying with the OCD thing, like something you just need to write it down to get it out of the way. Yeah, like yeah. write it down, leave it there, revisit later, or just know that it's there and you can like let it go. Um, and sometimes when I was at work, I would just like, you know, be thinking to myself and sometimes I'd stop and be like, maybe I should just write that down. And that was where I actually got like a lot of material for things that, um, you know, I would eventually turn to poems, prose. I also think it shouldn't just be like poetry, right? Like there's people, and this is what I was going to kind of bring up earlier since you brought up like the articles. There's people like, you know, uh, Mark Twain, Samuel Mm. Clemens, 
that were obviously like paying attention to things that were going on in their day, but were recontextualizing it and putting it into like a you know a fictional framework. But they were into really... an entirely racist book yeah. that should be banned. <laughs> but that like mm, that style. No, no, no I, like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That style. I was being ironic. Yeah. <laughs> Is like a another form of like you know of. I'm kind of trying to go back to like how you can make writing like less cringy. Like there's a lot of different kinds of writing, and I think like especially from reading a lot of it, it doesn't have to be something that's like you know even so prosaic or so like you know personally profound where it like comes from you know your personal experience. It could just be kind of like appropriation, just commentary on something that you're reacting to in the outside world. Um, it can be translated, you know through your own insight, but I'm, I'm basically thinking of this, uh, essay that I recently read, um, that's, you know, Richard Feynman, the, uh, physicist, no. scientist, uh, he was one of the people that helped develop the atom bomb, but, uh, okay. I probably do, but just don't know the name. Yeah. Uh, and like, that's a lot to like, you know, come to terms with, right. If you're the person that helped develop this thing that wiped out like millions of people, what was your purpose in it? Um, did you do the right thing? And this essay is basically called, I think, The Reason for Science. And it's like him talking to himself, though. He's making this speech in front of a bunch of other scientists and dignitaries. But you could tell in the writing that he's just trying to justify to himself this whole experience, what he was involved in, but also, like, what brought, like, his field of work into, like, you know, to justify the means kind of thing. But you see, like, I, at least when I read it, like, you could kind of see this person's brain working through this, like, process, right? And it's very intimate almost yeah. the way poetry is even though it's talking about something kind of like abstractly he doesn't really mention the bomb specifically but obviously like that's what he's like you know <laughs> it's your magnus, to, magnum yeah. opus <laughs> yeah. that's what he's trying to you know account for um but yeah that, no 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 i was talking about that time i stole the cheese <laughs> yeah and i remember what what i was uh the, the what i was thinking about it's like there is something it's almost like whenever you have an intellectual thought, it's like almost arrogant to not assume that you're appropriating, right? Like that's basically what, like what what's my, one of the things that was upsetting me a while back was when people were like, oh, don't do your own research, which is like the dumbest thing. Don't what? Don't do your own research. It was related to the, to, it was actually kind of fucked up because it was related to Nicki Minaj okay. saying that, that, that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. About her <laughs> about, cousin. About her cousin <laughs> having swollen balls. And like, they just dragged her for it. But like, it was like, it was like, she's a rapper. She's not an academic. And so there's like something problematic and classist about the way that they were approaching that. But ultimately, like, it's all fucking appropriation. Like, what's my thesis is based on the fact that everybody comes on the show to talk about shit that they didn't come up with. Mm. And maybe some ideas that they've gotten from that. But like, it's more about like what you're interested in learning about. Right. But that's the, also related to the Feynman article. Like, that's the purpose of science. Is that we like have these ideas so we can talk about them, so we can work through them. And if exactly. we're not here for anything, aren't we here for that? Like, yeah, exactly. Which goes to the whole fucking thing. Like that's why you need to research like yeah. narratives and whatnot. Yeah. And could it, anyone be a philosopher if they just had the time to read? Like, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then like what level of like, you know, after agriculture, like to what extent are you like a drain on society if you're not, you know, like, uh -huh. <laughs> like at the point that we're at, it's like, do you really need to be a functioning member of society? <laughs> no, you still got to get be a fucking hunter gatherer, you know, like it's like go out and hustle and get some shit. Yeah. On Amazon. 
on I Amazon. Know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nicely, nicely done. <laughs> I think that this has been fun because we've slowly remembered how much we like talking shit to each yeah. other. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a good question. Oh, that's that that hit right here. <laughs> I feel like well, once we're done with this, we're gonna keep talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, we've been doing this like we got it. We're at an hour and uh 13 minutes i mean there have been p- weird pauses in between where we figured out but I th- we've got an episode so yeah. we can wrap it up i really like i really enjoyed your insights on poetry because i guess poetry is um there's the book the robert Fr- no yeah it's the americans it's the americans the robert frank book that has the foreword by um not Winston Churchill, but the the, the B poet, what's his name? <laughs> uh, on the road, Jack oh, Kerouac. Jack Kerouac yeah. I love that. I was like Winston Churchill, and Jack Kerouac, <laughs> the statesmen's of the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. the statements of the statesmen of their uh, of their genre. But yeah, it, he wrote the thing saying that like photography is not a narrative form right essentially like that like that uh for 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 a narrative you need a beginning middle and an end where like photograph is more like poetry where it's lyrical and it has and it suggests a narrative but it doesn't necessarily have a beginning middle and end mm-hmm. so i think that that's an interesting uh parallel for me because basically what i'm getting out of this conversation is that you're going to write cringe you're going to take shitty photographs you're going to be- make bad drawings and I think that because people have been exposed to so much much bad poetry and so little good poetry as a culture, I mean, unless you're including hip hop into that, you know, I'm yeah. I, I'm saying like poetry, right? Like a quote quote unquote poetry, like um, what would like fucking child rapist the Ginsburg and, and all of those people. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard him introduce that way. <laughs> no, I, I, I recently heard about that shit and I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know if he was a child rapist, but uh, I don't want to throw that out because if this episode is called poetry, <laughs> like I'm going to get a lot of flack. But, um, but yeah, like there's, there's, um, I've lost my point and I don't need to make it because that was the end. Anyway, it was great talking to you. I uh, am glad. This is, I think, the first time that we've hung out without your partner. And yeah. it's kind of interesting because I feel like it's a triangle most of the time when we're hanging out. <laughs> and this is the first time that I'm like focused in on like getting into the meat of what you're, uh, what you uh, have to say. Yeah. Without without him just like laughing <laughs> in the background and be like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, cool. Anything that we can promote for you, La Conejita is the brand. If any artists need fabricators, please contact her. She's very well. Oh, you could definitely go to my website. Oh, when you're talking about one of those things that like really like burn me out. I'm I don't have the patience for sitting on a computer that long. That is to say, I spend a lot of time on my website. Okay. And like it was like I, I don't know if it flows that well. I also have like a pretty big body of work, but I tried to contextualize everything. You don't need to like, apologize for your website. We okay, can just. But plug I'm still it. trying to tell people go to it because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I made it and people should see it. <laughs> <laughs> and it is laconahita.co. That's not a .com. It's a .co. Um, you can see everything that I do there. Yeah. Also, that's a better context of like you know what my work is. And like, and just to rattle off a few of the things that you do. Like in terms um, of you work with metals, you 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 weld, 
Yeah. And on my website, it's specifically broken down into I did a lot of auto body work, which is also, I would say, sculpture, uh, a lot of fine artwork, furniture, props. But like, I mean, if an artist is listening to this and they're like, I need to hire a fabricator. Send like, me a drawing, man. Okay. I cool. like literally work from and like, if I could figure out how to make it work, I figure out how to make it work. All right. Even if I have to learn how to like, you know, use cement. cement and then you're <laughs> at La Conejita. Dot co. And uh, for people that don't know how to spell Conejita, it's bunny rabbit in Spanish. So yeah. just So it's L-A-C-O-N-E-J-I-T-A dot C-O. Cool. I'm glad you did it because I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you for listening, guys. And we'll check you out next week.